Hello, how are you? Edith here. Thanks very much for joining me for another episode of Soundtracking, where I get to talk about, I mean, we do talk about music and film and sometimes I kind of go off track and talk about lots of other things because with every person that we interview, there is a, a specific depth of opportunity to chat about that with them, depending on who they are, what they do and how much they've done. So it may well be that it's a first time director who's done one film that that's kind of the the depths of what we can talk about maybe like today's guest John Favreau where there's a whole load of things but we definitely focused on the new Mandalorian series but I'll get to that in just a second because one thing that I wanted to just quickly talk about is um, well it's a couple of things I love when you guys get in touch info at edithbowman.com is the email address that I try and check at least a couple of times a week to see if anybody sent me some really interesting emails and there's been loads of things which is great Uh, so thank you to everybody who has been in touch whether that be just saying they really like the podcast to Peter Quinn thank you very much indeed for getting in touch with suggestions of a guest which is great but this is a really nice one actually which allows me the opportunity to talk about something that we do alongside the podcast Nathan Haynes he says hi there Edith and Ben it's nice isn't it I only recently discovered the soundtracking podcast and oh my word, listening to your incredible interviews has given me an entirely fresh perspective on music collaboration and film. I simply cannot get enough of it. That's good. Thanks, Nathan. One of the good things about having found a podcast that has been going for a while is that there are plenty of episodes to get back to. Yes, there are over 350. Means I can definitely listen to more than one a week, at least for now. Ha ha. The reason for getting touch is I wondered if you ever considered including links to the scores you've discussed within the show notes. I recognise this might be challenging as there are so many different streamers now, but my friends and I have been using something called Songlink for a while. Basically, it's one link which contains a kind of link tree to the same album on all the different streamers. It's well handy and completely free. Uh, Nathan, I will definitely look into this, but what we do do for every single episode of Soundtracking is we create a, a playlist. So over on Spotify, if you head to edithbowman.com and under every episode, there is a link through to each episode's specific Spotify playlist, which features all the music that we talk about and that more often than not includes the score for the particular production that we're talking about, but it also provides a link to every other piece of music that we talk about. So if you just head to edithbowman.com and go to the specific episode you want to talk about or listen to, there is a Spotify link up there. So we kind of do do that, but I'm going to go and have a look at this, Nathan, because this sounds like a great opportunity for us. So thank you so much for bringing it to my attention. And in fact, we're 358 episodes in, Nathan. And I say that because the man who kicked it all off for Soundtracking returns to Soundtracking for a third time. John Favreau was the very first guest that I recorded for the podcast. Apologies for the piano you can hear in the background. That's my other half down in the kitchen. Anyway, as I was saying, John Favreau was the very first guest I recorded for this podcast, for which we are forever grateful. And here he is again to discuss The Mandalorian, the brand new season of the brilliant show that he created for Disney+. Plus. Season three is streaming weekly now and we'll be discussing that in a moment. But first, let's have a word from our friends at Gusto. Now, I might have mentioned this at some point and I definitely have recently that I like cooking. However, I'm going to be honest got to the point where I've fallen into a little bit of a boring rhythm, complacency, some may say, of what I cook. Basically, it's the same things every week. 
I've bored myself and my family. But thank goodness for Gusto and its menu of over 250 recipes. We're spicing things up. What's not to love about a box arriving with pre-portioned fresh ingredients and easy to follow recipe cards? This week we had a delicious shakshuka with feta and this amazing salmon pesto pasta. Mmm, delicious. Even if you are in any way intimidated by the idea of cooking, believe me, Gusto makes it easy and totally achievable. It gives you everything you need to create incredible home-cooked meals every week. And as I said, there are over 250 recipes to choose from and have them delivered to your door any day of the week. How would you like 60% off your first box? followed by 25% off all boxes for two months. Well, all you need to do is head to gusto.co.uk and use the code SOUND today. That's gusto.co.uk and use the code SOUND. Start enjoying quality dishes today. 60% off your first box, 25% off all boxes for two months. Head into gusto.co.uk and just use the code SOUND. And so to John, and as you no doubt know, The Mandalorian is scored by our very lovely friend Ludwig Gornson, which really means there's only one place to start. start by saying a massive thank you John Favreau because you were our first ever interview for Soundtracking. The inaugural The very first pod. What do you call the it? Yeah, you're, yeah, and we're 356 episodes Congratulations. in Congratulations. But this is your hat trick, so thank you for coming back. Is it my third? Yeah. What, what, what do we talk we about? We talked about Jungle Book, Lion King, okay. but never Mandalorian. Okay, well yes. But um, we've had the pleasure of having Ludwig on twice. Which oh, wow. has been amazing. Yeah. Um, and I spoke to Peyton Reed just last week about the last episode of season two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was a wow. big moment. That was a big moment. Yeah. Yeah. He's a huge fan, too. Well, you could tell, as are you, yeah, though, because yeah. I, I, I wanted to ask you because I saw this beautiful interview with you where you said, I've never had so much fun. Is that what it's still like for you with this, these yeah. characters, with this world? And It is. And, and I, honestly, like, I'm. Um, you know, you spend so much time in a career trying to just get to do what you love to do. Yeah. Like just, just to be able to work at it. Because the truth is, you know, the sense you probably got from Peyton also is like, we'd be doing this after work if we had jobs. Like <laughs> this would be our hobby. <laughs> so if you could actually make a living and a nice living at it, like yeah. that's, yeah, I'm very, we're very grateful. So yeah, no, it's, it's great. And, and part of it is also working with other people who feel the same way. Yeah. That's really the part that makes it special is there's nobody on the show in front of or behind the camera that isn't excited to be working there. I've got to say, I think with what Ludwig and you have created with the music for this this yeah. show, it's iconic. It's a very special 
soundscape theme. It's yeah. just, it's so brilliant. We caught Ludwig at, at, at such a great time in his life and his career as he was just, you know, because he'd been working for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he had done television, but he worked with the Russo brothers. He worked in, I think, Community. Mm-hmm. So he had he had worked his way slowly up. And then his collaborations with Ryan Coogler and also Donald Glover. So I, I got to know him through, actually, it was Ryan Coogler who was like, you should check this guy out. Like yeah. before, I think it was like doing Fruitvale Station. Uh, you know, it was it was certainly before Black Panther. And then he did Creed, which I thought was really cool. And we wanted to define the sound because so much of Star Wars is the iconic John Williams yeah. uh, orchestrations. And we knew for Disney Plus, for a new streaming service, for a new character, that we wanted something that felt like it was uh, related to, but not trying to use that. Because you... Once the music comes on, when you go to see those movies and the crawl comes up and you hear the, the opening strings and horns, it's a, uh, uh, <laughs> it, it, it just, um, pulls you right back to, yeah. you know, my 10 year old self. <laughs> yeah. And, and that becomes overwhelming in a way to something like this that's a, a smaller story. I think it also could become to, you, you keep hitting the same nerve when it doesn't make sense. It, it's, it starts to lose its power. Mm-hmm. And so the John Williams score is, is sort of preserved for the grand big screen experiences like that. And for us to have something that felt related, but also had a tech side to it because the yeah. Mandalorian is a human, but also looks like a machine. And is yeah. uh, we definitely wanted to lean into what that could be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you hit a person at the point in their career like Ludwig and they're going to come up with something special. They're, they're, he was just on a roll. sounds the recorder that 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 bass recorder that he mm-hmm. was messing around with and it had a little homage to uh Sergio Leone and Marconi yeah and Kurosawa. he just uh, yeah. and Kurosawa a little bit of yeah. that especially when he leaned into the stuff with Dave yeah uh, for Ahsoka uh on on that episode so there was just this wonderful moment I think it's even on the some of the behind the scenes when he's first playing it for us and I, I think I was playing it for Bryce on headphones and it was there. It was fully formed, you know? And it was like, I think we got something. Wow. And then when the fans liked the music, it's interesting because at the beginning, it's sort of like 50-50. And now it's like everybody's complete. It shows you like it takes sometimes for people to adopt something. Yeah. Uh, it, it, takes, it takes a minute for people to settle into it. But once they do, it's like it's always been here.
What can you tell us about season three? What is there? What is there? I mean, it's, it, it it's goes hard. bigger. It goes yeah. bigger. So as far as the music goes, Joe yeah. Shirley, who is working with Ludwig uh, all along, uh, because it's a, it's a, especially for television, it's a bit of a team sport. Yeah, uh, there's just so much music to record and. And uh, they were working on other projects at the same time Ludwig was. So Joe Shirley has been part of the equation throughout. It's really cool to work with, as I did with like, you know, Hans Zimmer also has yeah. a lot of people who uh, work with him and Absolutely. apprentice under him. And Ramin, who I worked with on Iron Man, uh, Ramin Jawadi was yeah. uh, worked with Hans before he was working out of his shop. So it's really interesting to see uh, that collaborative mm. nature of that particular craft. And it's, you know, of course, the musicians and people recording always requires collaboration. It's not unlike what I'm experiencing in television as a storyteller, because I'm used to being a director where you're, you're calling all the shots and everybody's there also collaborating, but in support of one vision on television. It's there's, uh, you know, Dave Filoni and myself, but then there's also Rick Famuyiwa this season who's yeah. been directing... Uh, from the beginning, and I was one of our producers, and all the directors. So it's a it's a big uh, collaborative experience, which is also part of what makes it fun. I get to work with younger people, newer people, and uh, and get inspired by them and and teach them what I know. And so you know, with with the music, we have Joe Shirley this season, and I think that because everything is culminating in a way, and you can even see from the materials that are out, yeah, that there are other Mandalorians. They're going back to their home world that's been destroyed. This I think asks for a slightly different musical treatment mm -hmm. than what you saw in the beginning when it was a lone gunslinger yeah. walking onto a desolate planet. Yeah. So it's fun to see how the music helps guide and reflects. And Star Wars, the visuals have always been so strong. The silhouettes, the costumes, the planets, the color palette, and the music has always been there. Uh, arguably the most important element. Certainly when I talked to Harrison Ford, that's the thing he, he pointed out to me. Because he remembers seeing the first film, yeah, both before and after the John Williams score, and he said that he learned the power, the power of music, because it it completely changed his experience of yeah. seeing it. When he, he can't, I can't even imagine, right? Yeah. And in those days, there weren't like now. Now people put it together with uh, synthesizers, and they could mock up a score. But back then, maybe you'd be lucky enough to have somebody sit you down by the piano and play you a few <laughs> yeah. a few lines. Uh, but you didn't know till you were in the scoring stage. Now it's such a, uh, it's so advanced how they do it with um, our music editor Stephanie, uh, 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 just cutting together from other scores to yeah. so that we could have in the editing room mm -hmm. something that makes it watchable. But in the old days, you just you know even as far back as when I was acting and like Rudy, they wouldn't put temp score often. It was seen as cheating. Because it was like, oh, it's manipulating yeah. the experience of the uh, of most, the audience. Most composers hate it as well. They hate yeah. coming into a project and there's been temp and there's temp score. Well, on you fall in love with the temp, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and sometimes I'll say it to a to a, to a, to a composer. I'll be like, okay, this is I'm I'm, I'm Sorry. in love. <laughs> Often I'll use their score so they can't get too mad. That's worse. Uh, uh, but I have a healthy respect for yeah. composers and know that you have to give them room and 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 know that you're going to fall in love with whatever has been there. But if a scene was working better with temp, it is a good basis for discussion to say, hey, why is it working here? Is there something totally different? Yeah. But Ludwig took a lot of chances, especially in that last episode of season two. I remember playing the theme and how uh, it, it turned into something that was much different than what I was expecting <laughs> it to be, probably based on our temp. Yeah. But it's a beautiful piece of music. And if you look on Disney+, Plus, there's a... a Ludwig had an idea. He says, we should do a, a music video for mm -hmm. this of some kind. 
And then we were talking maybe it should be an animation. And then thanks to uh, Kathy Kennedy, yeah. who had a relationship with Miyazaki from uh, releasing all the uh, Studio Ghibli films. Yeah. She, she reached out and his studio agreed to do a short. I've and so if you that. look, it's called Grogu and the Dust Bunnies. Oh. And it's, it takes Ludwig's score from the, when, uh, the baby, the baby's theme, uh, at the end of season two. Yeah. And creates this 2D, beautiful 2D Japanese animation. It's the most, honestly, one of the, probably, I think one of the things we're most proud of, of is this little collaboration with this wow. wonderful studio. How did I miss that? Oh, you got to check it out. I mean, I'm on there every day, sort of, you yeah, know, all the extras and. Look for it. It's called Grogu and the okay. Dust Bunnies. And uh, I'm sure it's on YouTube also, but it's on Disney Plus for sure. I know what I'm yeah, doing as soon as yeah, I finish this, yeah. but oh, yeah. It's a two minute, baby. Yeah, we'll, we'll make you smile. <laughs> That's the thing that you have, you've done with this series is, is, you know, it's new, but it's that world that we're familiar with and we've grown up with. And, mm-hmm. you know, that, that last episode in particular, I don't think I took a breath for the, that whole last kind of build and that when you, yeah. when you, when you realize what's going on. And well, you know, music is so important to that. And honestly, we were using early versions of the deep fake related de-aging around mm-hmm. Mark Hamill to yeah. show the younger version of him. We had Mark on the set. But he's very different than he was when he was in his 20s. Yeah. And so to we were using tech, the best technology we could to do the reveal that it was, in fact, Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And part of how we were sure that people would really get it was when he pulls down the hood of his cloak. That's the first time we play John Williams' theme. So, so it's the, it's, it's the reveal, but you're hearing the Mm -hmm. song that you knew that we haven't played for two seasons. Yeah. And now it was justified.
And so now we connected it all the way back to that, you know, the original stuff. And I think that series of shots and series of, uh, and, and that musical, the, the, the score all contribute yeah. to that thing where everybody really collectively felt something together mm. at a time when I think we really yearned to feel something like that because we were all, it's, it feels like another lifetime, but we were, I think it was still during the lockdown. So people weren't going to movie theaters. They weren't going out. They had a relationship with this show. There wasn't a lot of, you know, we were one of the first streaming shows that really uh, treated it like cinema as far as the, the scope and the budget yeah. and the production value. You know, a lot of the early streaming shows were kind of small. You had stuff on Netflix, of course, that were a big prestige series. But to really treat this like we're making a Star Wars film yeah. uh, and, and have that level of support, certainly on Disney Plus, it was the first show like that. And then to, you know, to have people develop a relationship with these new characters after two years and then feel that connection and then to see Pedro's face. So all of it came together in a great way. And from talking to Peyton, you know that, you know, we really, we really painstakingly went through it and both in preparation and filming and in the editing room. How much do you, because that whole, the, the links to things that are, that are mm-hmm. constant throughout this to... To different storylines, to different characters, to different galaxies, and, and do you know when you're starting it where it's going to end? Some things, yes. Some things, no. Yeah. Like we didn't know Luke Skywalker would be in it, so that we knew that he was going to find, he was going to seek out, he was going to have to take the child at the end of season one, mm. bring him to his own kind, bring him to the Jedi, to the Jedi, and Mandalorians and Jedi were, you know, traditionally had been enemies, so there was something really inspiring about that that dynamic that he yeah. was going to have to take him to because he's looking at you know all these things that he's crossing who he thought he was yeah. and being encouraged by the armor to do so yeah so it's going to lead you someplace that you don't the unknown and then and of course the audience is like oh we're going to learn more about jedi it's going to be something because that's all <laughs> that's all star wars was and, and this is you know not completely separate from 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 that lore and so we knew that was going to happen. And then as Dave Filoni and I were talking, like, well, it's it kind of really, it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't Luke Skywalker. Are we going to invent somebody new? Are we going to find some? <laughs> and so we're like, okay, let's let's do it. You know, let let's see. And we called Mark Hamill, showed him because the show wasn't on, showed him what we're doing. Yeah. Showed him, I think it was like season one cuts of that. Show what we're doing and the reveal of of Grogu, Baby Yoda, and he connected with it. He really liked it. And it was also an opportunity to show a missing chapter of, of Luke, of Luke's life. Yeah. And he, he's very, you know, he cares deeply about that character and the relationship that the fans have with that character. And so we started to figure out with ILM, how are we going to do this? And, uh, and that's, that's, that's how it happened. I watched it again in prep for this and it was just, oh, it's, just it's like you can watch it again and again and again. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of fist pump in the air. Yeah. Yes. So great. It's amazing how, how much people, and you see how much the technology evolved between that and when we showed him uh, in de-aged in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. And now you're seeing the same, basically the same technology and the same team working on, if you've seen the trailer for the new Indiana Jones film, where they're really getting good at it with de-aging uh, um, Harrison. So, you know, it was very early days for it. And now I look at it, I'm like, oh, we could do better now. Uh, but <laughs> you're still, always pushing things with technology, yeah, though. Yes, that's, yes. You're, yeah. And that's part of Star Wars, too, is pushing yeah. tech. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm continuing to try. It, it's hard because technology, in, in some ways, the new age is closing off aspects of the entertainment industry that I grew up with and really have an affection for. 
And movies already feel different than they used to, like as far as how they fit into our cultural, you know, it's, it's not the preeminent medium for storytelling as it was when I was growing up. It was like, yeah. what movie are we going to see? We got to go to the movies. I think people still like going to the movies. Like, and as you can see, people still will pile in and have a great time, mm-hmm. but there's so much competition for, no, I want to watch this show or no, let's stay in, uh, or they're watching things on social media or YouTube or especially as you get younger, the younger generation, they're used to consuming entertainment in yeah. so many different ways. But I would, I would argue that there's, there's always new opportunities that come with new technology too. And so what I'm trying to do moving forward, and I'm lucky to work at a company like Lucasfilm and Disney. Walt Disney was very tech forward. Yeah. We think of him nostalgically, but he was pushing audio animatronics and all sorts of immersive technologies mm. and sound design and, you know, it, both in the films and in the parks. And so as I come up with new ideas and new stories and new projects, seeing how we can incorporate what I have a, a very uh, unique perspective that I'm getting to see stuff early and collaborating with other, with tech yeah. companies on projects that I'm working on as well, like Prehistoric Planet with Apple, uh, with Apple TV. You know, we're pushing, using a lot of the same technology we developed for like Lion King on that. And then seeing the new stuff that Apple has and trying to work yeah. our, can, can we extend storytelling beyond just what you're seeing, you know, yeah, on the screen? The screen. And so, you know, how, how do you make something, how do you take full advantage of all these tech innovations and how do you bring your storytelling knowledge to that? Because there's always a marriage, especially yeah. in film. There's always yeah. like new, to, new toys and new tools, but you know, without Jurassic Park, what was CGI? Did that, you know, it was, it was Spielberg. It was a storyteller that made you feel things. And then these digital tools made you, and then he made you think, oh my God, CGI is amazing. They could do anything. And then you saw a lot of bad CGI after that. And it was like, <laughs> oh, CGI kind of sucks. Uh, you know, yeah. same thing with 3D. Yeah. You know, you see Avatar and it's amazing. Yeah. And then, and then everybody was, to, you know, not trying not, to do 3D badly. Doing it as effectively. And, and, and it hurts the tech. And then people say, well, the taxi, that was a bust. So there's like these, Adoption cycles. They, yeah, it's everything. It's nothing. It's you're seeing it now with um with AI. You know, with mm-hmm. ChatGPT, with uh, MidJourney, with all these. You know, there's all these conversations around these technologies that are not going away. So you know, you could decide whether you like it or don't like it, or it should or it shouldn't. But we have to create parameters, and we have to figure out a way to best utilize them so it serves humanity, and that we can have a educated view of how to treat these technologies. That's part of why I did the de-aging and the, the yeah. deep fakes type stuff. I wanted people to see that that's out there. Yeah. Because not everybody's doing it for, you know, for all the right reasons. You want to make sure that people are aware of it and can identify it, at least in their mind, mm. that this is out there. Because they might be faced with something that they've never experienced before, and it could put us into, you know, tricky situations. So now all of a sudden, everybody, you ask people, oh, is that deep fake? Is that, is that fake? They, they know not to trust everything they see or hear. And now with voices, it's happening too. So I think a healthy skepticism is, uh, is one of our best bulwarks against uh, anything catastrophic happening tech-related. I could talk to you for hours yeah. about this, but I've run out of time. Um, okay. It's so Pleasure great to chat to you. Congrats yeah. on your success. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. We, we wouldn't have been able to do it without that first yeah. chat with you. So great thank Great to you. hear. Thank Fantastic you so much. talking to you again. Have a great day. Bye-bye.
from the finale to season two of The Mandalorian, that's A Friend by Ludwig Goranson, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with John Favreau. My huge thanks once again to John for taking the time to talk to us for a third time. We really wouldn't be here without him. If you'd like to hear those previous chats and indeed every other episode that we've done, including our chats with Ludwig, head to edithbowman.com or wherever you get your pods. And please do rate, review and subscribe. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We are at Soundtracking UK. And please do keep sharing our posts on your socials. It is very much appreciated. Now, coming up over the next couple of weeks, we've got a lovely mix of things. We've got uh, Keanu Reeves and Chad Stahelski talking about John Wick 4. We've got John Boyega talking about this phenomenal performance in his new film, Breaking. And we're excited to be talking about what we think is going to be one of the films of the year. It's a little independent British film called Rye Lane and it is directed by Rain Alan Miller, who we're very excited to have on the podcast. Rain Alan Miller then, our guest on next week's episode talking about the wonderful Rye Lane that is going to be out in cinemas on the 17th of March. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. Mm-hmm.